Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening. Let's pray. Father, we want to honor you, Lord Jesus. We want to thank you that, and we just first, we just recognize that you have no rival, Lord. You have no one that is equal to you. Nobody that can claim they are equal to you. And we want to honor that, Lord God. And we want to say thank you. That we want, we want to just exclaim that, yes, we worship a God that has no rival, that has no equal, and he deserves all the glory and all the praise this evening. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will come here and that you will do everything that you want to do this evening. Father, I thank you that you will direct, Lord God, that you will lead. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, and I just submit myself under you, under your mighty hand, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So um, this evening, we're going to preach on the kingdom of God that suffers violence. And there's a scripture that we know, and it says, um, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And week one, Pastor Chris, we're busy with our, our series on kingdom culture. Week one, Pastor Chris spoke on us finding our belonging, finding, in fact, understanding that we belong. Every single person has a need that they belong. They want to know that they belong somewhere. And every single person has a need to know who they are. And as I was preparing, one of the things that I really sense is that many people are sensing, you know, like you've got the struggle inside yourself that you're asking the Lord, I want to be who you created me to be. I'm tired of being whoever I think I should be. I really sense that many of us are struggling with that. We've been crying out to God. God, make me. Bring out that person that you made me to be, that you would walk out fully who God has asked you to be or who God has made you to be. And also, I, secondly, I just had a sense also that there's just a, a, a cycle. Many people are struggling with like the cycle of, for lack of a better word, maybe it's not a lack of a better word, it's just what it is. A cycle of sin. You're always going round and round and round. It's always the same stuff. You're always sensing like, oh God, when are you going to come and deliver me from this? I'm reminded, I think it's Romans 1, where you have this, you know, when, when Paul was saying, oh, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I should be doing, I don't do. Oh, what a wretched man I am. And I really sense that some of us are feeling that way as well, that you've really come this evening and you're sensing, I want to be free. And just like Pastor Chris said this morning, we're going to declare zero tolerance to the kingdom of darkness this evening. And we're declaring that really that we, we will not go around that mountain again. Yeah? And so Pastor Chris spoke, and I just touched on that identity, as well as just finding a place that we, where we belong. We want to know that we belong, and we want to know who we are. And week two, we talked about being sons of God, knowing that we haven't been born to just be slaves. The Bible said, you know, that we are sons of God. We've been transitioned from the kingdom of darkness. We came into the kingdom of light. And he says, and God himself says that I've made you my sons. And that you do not have to act like a slave. You don't have to come to church every, as, as a child of God. You are entitled to come into this house and feel at home. How many of us go to our own homes and we sit in the corner? You wait for your mother to come and bring you food. And when people are saying, oh, just go get in the fridge. No, 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 no. I, you know, no, you don't do that in your house. And it's the same thing with here. And this evening, we're going to talk about the kingdom that suffers violence. The kingdom that is there for us to take a hold of. 
to take a hold of that which God has for us. So in order to start that, there's two kingdoms. One is the kingdom of darkness, and there is destruction in that kingdom. There is nothing good in that kingdom. It's the kingdom of evil, and the, the father of that kingdom is the enemy, Satan, Belial, whatever you call him. Many names he's got in the Bible. And the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is the kingdom that we are in as children, sons and daughters of God. That's where the good is. That is where righteousness is. That is where peace is. And that is where joy is. And that is the kingdom that we were, we were taken out of the kingdom of darkness. If you are saved and you are born again and you know Jesus, you, are in the, you were in the kingdom of darkness and you were transitioned to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the king of kings, the kingdom that has really been set apart. And that is our inheritance. When Jesus came to the earth, he says the kingdom of God is near. So where you are feeling that your life is full of uh, the stuff in your life that just can't get right, you've just been going round and round in circles, like really just finding your place in the kingdom, finding yourself in the Lord, and then living out the fullness of what you have in this kingdom. Now, our lives are governed, the way we live our lives is governed by, de determined by which kingdom it is that actually influences us. Is it the kingdom of evil or is it the kingdom of good? And that, um, I mean, and that, let's just quickly go now to looking at evil. We know that there's good, and now from evil. Where does evil come from? Historians and anthropologists agree that evil is a reality. And even Xavier uh, Zacharias said, when you say there's too much evil in the world, you assume that there's good. When you assume there's good, you assume there's such a thing as a moral law on the basis of which to differentiate between good and evil. But if you assume a moral law, you must posit a moral lawgiver. But that's who you're trying to disprove and not prove. Because if there's no moral lawgiver, there's no moral law. If there's no moral law, there's no good. If there's no good, there's no evil. What is your question? <laughs> so, you know, people who believe that, ah, no, there's no God. This is the kind, you know, because if you're saying, because they believe in evil, they come to us and they're like, why, if, if you have got a God and you are so serving the Lord, and whatever, why is there evil? Why are there hungry people? Why are the kids being killed? Why is there human trafficking? The fact that they believe that there's evil means that there's good. So one cannot exist without the other. And as we've looked, I mean, we are, just to understand where the enemy, the enemy is the author of evil. And we have, the world has painted him as a caricature, like a little, um, you know, like a, a little drawing, a kind guy. You know, he just really doesn't do much harm to anybody. We've put, we've, we've put him into this package and the world believes and we all, and many people believe that no. It is, you know, that this is how it is. He does nothing to us. He's, you know, like, we've almost made him irrelevant. Like he doesn't exist. And that is exactly what the enemy wants, for us to believe that he doesn't exist. But why is it that you have been tormented by cancer? Year after year, you go for, to doctors, you go for, and you are crying out, but nothing is happening. Why is that cancer is on earth? Why is it that there are hungry children on earth? Why is it 
that there is, there is torment in your homes? Why is it that you and your husband don't get along? Why is it that your children are left astray? They are walking the streets of Vintuk or wherever you come from, and they are not coming home. Why is it that there are children born outside of marriage, that there are children left somewhere for somebody else to take care of? Why is that? If there is no enemy, that is not God's, that was never God's intention for us. That was never for God. God never said this is how the world will function. And we cannot, like, I mean, if, if you look in Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 16, he says, the Bible says, sorry, these gadgets. Okay. Verse 12 to 16 says, just to describe who the enemy really is, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zephron. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you. They ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? So the Bible is really describing the enemy is here tormenting people on the earth. But here we can see what is his end. His fate is that many of us will turn around and say, oh, is that? No, that can't be. Because this is what the Bible says. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a wilderness. This wrong view of evil and the author of evil cannot be. It cannot be contained within our in, in our, in the way we're living. And a misleading understanding of Satan, that he's a brother to Jesus or he's an equal to Jesus, that is wrong. Because Jesus is no equal. We sang it today. That there is no equal to Jesus. He has no rival. Jesus is God. So we cannot, if you are thinking that no, actually, you know, like Pastor Chris was saying, we, that Jesus and the enemy are fighting. No, there's no such thing. Jesus died on the cross, and he, he is supreme. He is the preeminence. He is above all. He is the king of kings. He is the king of kings. So we cannot, we cannot believe. So where we have that wrong thinking, we need to let that wrong thinking go because Jesus is not equal to the enemy. But the Satan was banished to the earth. We know that. He was banished to the earth. Revelations 12, 12 says, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows his time is short. God sent Jesus to come to the earth, and he said, My son, he gave before the foundations of the earth, God put this plan together. Jesus came down to the earth, and he died for us. He died a gruesome death. That every single, the Bible says that every single person be saved. That every single person will come to the knowledge of Christ. That's what the Bible says. And the enemy doesn't want to go alone. He's been banished to the earth. He's been banished. He knows that at the end when Jesus returns again, he is going to hell. And he is wanting to take people with him. And Jesus has come to give you a hope and a future for not only in the earth, but in eternity. That you will live eternity with God your Father and live untormented, and live a life of great excitement and joy, and just 
fulfillment. That's what heaven is described to us, great fulfillment. Why would we want to still live in the kingdom of earth, doing what the enemy is telling us to do, living, you know, joyfully just doing these things, when we have a promise that we can actually live with God? And so the enemy's time is short. He knows the time is short. I mean, if you just, if you just read the Bible, the Bible says in the last days, men will be lovers of pleasure, lovers of themselves, lovers of just anything that is not God. And we know the time is getting short. So he is fighting relentlessly that we, that some of us can go with him, that some of God's children can go with him. Even the man who smokes dacha every day, even the guy who takes drugs every day, even that guy God loves, even that woman God loves. God has called them all that they would come into the kingdom of light and live a life that is holy and pure and really describes and is a, 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 a way of describing how God is so wonderful and beautiful. So the enemy knows his time is short and he is livid. It says he is filled with fury. But Jesus is God. His mission is to kill. His mission is to steal. His mission is to destroy. Is there destruction in your life? Is there stuff that you see in your life that doesn't make sense? That is not according to God's plan for your life. Are you not sleeping at night because your children are not home? Because you know they're taking drugs? Because you know that they are, you know, sleeping around? That is not the work of God. The enemy, his only mission is to steal. It's to kill and to destroy. And Jesus' mission, the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. He came to destroy, 1 John 3, 8 says, that is the reason that Jesus came, to destroy all the works of the enemy. And we, before Jesus went to heaven, he told his disciples, I give you authority. Authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. He's given us authority. He's given us a power to then enforce the kingdom of God, that very kingdom that God is describing, the kingdom of righteousness, the kingdom of peace, the kingdom of joy. And the authority, authority means the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. That's the power that you have as a child of God. You have the power and the right to give orders. You have the power and the right to tell the enemy, get out of my house. You get off my children's life. You have the power and the right. The Bible says so. So I just went to Google the word authority. The word authority means that. And it's, uh, when we're saying, uh, what's the description of it? It's English. It, that's it. I looked up many words. I looked up many different dictionaries. It is what it is. You have the power to make a decision. So you decide tonight where we are now in my house, where I am now at my office, where I am now in my health, where I am now in whatever that has been stolen from you, that has been killed, that has been destroyed. You have the power to make a decision. You have a power. You have the power and the right to make an order, and you have an, a power to enforce obedience. Because, you know, remember the devil, uh, you remember in the Bible, it was that thing where, you know, Peter, uh, Paul, and Jesus, I know. Who are you? 
because he was operating in the authority. Paul was operating in the authority. And the demons knew when Jesus spoke, the demons, let's, let's get out of here. Even the demons know. Demons know you. I've read some books of people that were in the, in the kingdom of darkness, and they were Satanists and what have you. And the one guy actually wrote, he says he doesn't understand how Christians don't know. We are covered in the light, in the spirit realm. We look different. They identify, oh, there she comes. You know, when you walk into your office place, when you walk into the brothel onto a place, and you're coming there with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the demons must know there has light has come. We best get out of here. And we don't know that. Many of us are oblivious to it. Oh, Lord, come and help me. This is what's happening in my house, Lord Jesus. No. He says, I've given you authority, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The church, Jesus gave the church so much power. He said, he said to Peter, Peter was like, remember when he asked the disciples, who do people say I am? Oh, and Peter says, and then Peter out of the blue says, oh, not out of the blue. The Bible says, uh, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. <laughs> and Peter said, Peter says, no, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then after that, he says, and I tell you, Peter, I tell you that you are Peter and that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I tell you, Peter, who is the church? The church is me and you individually. When we come together, it's even more powerful. But as a person, as a person with the body of Christ, you are the body of Christ. You walk around and you bring kingdom wherever you go. And the gates of hell cannot overcome you. So when you are in your house and there's nonsense, you know, have you ever had those dreams where you're like, oh, what kind of dream is this? You wake up in the morning, whoa, hey. And you're like, oh, Lord, again, that dream, Lord. You must, hey, how many of you remember that, uh, that movie, uh, The War Room? Where that, and she, she literally just met Jesus. She, she just, she had just met Jesus. That lady just told her about how she must pray for her family. She just, she just realized, hey, I got authority. And she walked out there, devil, don't come in here again. And then she walks back, and, she, oh, and another thing. <laughs> because they know, they know the authority that you carry. The enemy knows the authority you carry. The demons know the authority you carry. You need to know the authority you carry. And everything, I mean, if you look at it, it's only by the power, the power that you walk in, the authority that you walk in. We have, in, we have it's only that power that we have in a superior kingdom that we can bring kingdom onto the earth, that you can enforce kingdom into your house. Is there strife and fighting you and the wife every day? It's just noise. The kids are like, oh man, I don't want to be in this house anymore. It's by the power that is vested in you that you can enforce the kingdom of God in your home. We drive out foreign things by the power of the kingdom of God that is in us. You know, the, 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 the Pharisees were watching Jesus as he was driving out demons. They said, hmm, look at him. He must be driving out those demons by, you know, by demonic power. And Jesus says, but if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If it is by the power, by the spirit of God that you cast out a demon. 
then it is the kingdom of God has come. Is somebody healed when you pray? The kingdom of God has arrived. Has something been restored to you? I remember once here at Bible school, people's bags were stolen out of their car. Immediately an hour later, that bag was restored. That kingdom of God has come. Has, I mean, and the kingdom of God doesn't have to happen in a week's time. It is now. Behold, today is the day of salvation. You do not have to wait for weeks. You do not have to, to wait. And, okay, we're having issues. Do it now. Call the pastor now. As a husband and wife, don't wait till next week. Call the pastor. Pastor, the kingdom of God is now. I want my healing and my family must be saved now. The kingdom of God is not for next week. And the kingdom is where God reigns. The reign of God is being made manifest. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What does this reign look like? It looks like righteousness. It looks like peace. It looks like joy. So where is this righteousness, this peace, and joy? What we're seeing in our country, that is not righteousness, it is not peace, and it is not joy. And so we as children, sons and daughters of God, have been called to enforce the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy onto the earth, into our country. And the kingdom, Jesus said in Isaiah 61, he says, um, the, what does he say again in Isaiah 61? Let me just go to the scripture before I start. Uh, what's that word? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy, instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The kingdom is healing. The kingdom is deliverance. The kingdom is freedom. If you look at Matthew 10, 7 to 8, you will see that. The kingdom is somebody that is healed. The kingdom is somebody that is delivered. Pastor Chris asked this morning, how many of you have seen somebody being delivered from a demonic spirit? You see that person, ah, and then afterwards it's just like this peace. This peace comes over the person. And they are, their life is completely changed. Completely changed. And the kingdom of God is about freedom. Hashtag HDF. <laughs> Healing, deliverance, freedom. That is what the kingdom is about. God is about saying to us, I'm bringing you the oil of gladness. My kingdom comes with the oil of gladness. Good news to the poor. Liberty to the captives. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Comfort all who mourn. Garment of praise instead of mourning. And declare the day of vengeance. So as we are declaring that, you know, today is the day of salvation, we are actually declaring today is the day of war against the enemy's tactics. It's the same thing. As you are saying, no, Lord, today is the day of salvation. Remember, we have the power to make a decision. Make a decision that it ends today. Then you declare war. You know how uh, President Trump was saying, 
that the, the, the journalist who was arrested and was killed in some, uh, some, some, some uh, country, or in some embassy, yeah, yeah, okay. You just get it. <laughs> and he says, if, the, if I learn that the Saudis have killed this guy, there will be trouble for Saudis. You know that a president speaks like that. A son and daughter, if I learn that this problem that we have in our home is, is related to something outside of just us who made a, bit of, a little bit of a mistake, there will be trouble for the kingdom of darkness. And so we need to make those decisions, guys. We need to make those decisions. Today is the day of salvation. And if we know all of these things, we know what the kingdom is, we know it's healing, it's deliverance, it's restoration, it's freedom, what are the three keys to spiritual warfare? From the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. That basically means we don't... Okay, I can't do what Pastor Chris was doing this morning. It means if we are standing at the gate, and you know the thing that you need is on the other side of the gate, do you walk to the gate and it's locked, and you're like, ah, no, it's okay. No. What this verse is saying is that you do everything in your power. You go crazy like that woman with the issue of blood. She came and she was not even supposed to be walking around the town, the streets where Jesus was. But she said, whatever happens, today I'm getting my healing. And she went and she crawled and she's pushed people aside. I'm sure they said, like, what are you doing? Just wait for your turn. No, she didn't. She waited and she, she pushed through to the point where Jesus says, somebody touched me. Uh, Rabbi, <laughs> many people are touching you. There are many people around here touching you. He knew because he sensed the faith of that woman. He knew he touched her, and she touched him. So the kingdom of heaven is not about, oh, no, I just, well, if God wants to bless me, he'll bless me. If God wants this demon to leave my home or my family, he will allow it to, to leave. The, no, it's about taking it by force. So what do we do? Number one is to know the truth. How do we make it violently know the truth? Every day you make time and you spend your time in the word. You read the word. Because deception is your greatest enemy. The Bible says that even in the last days, even the elect, the elect means the top of the class, the people who know the word, even them, they will be deceived. So as we're reading the word, Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. Because deception, you know how we sometimes read the Bible? Mm. Yeah, I have my word. But you know what I mean? You are not getting the word in the context that you were supposed to get it. You need a word, and that's the thing that I've realized, guys, just me. I've realized it. When you want something bad enough, anything will confirm what you want. Anything will confirm. Suddenly, Suddenly, things come in your path. Suddenly, things are just shaping. You know, when you want something bad enough, you almost need to say, no, no, no. Lord, backtrack. What are you saying? Yeah? yeah? yeah. The Bible says, and then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Nothing else. It doesn't say, and then, you know, just pray. Because you could be praying... Other prayers. You know, I love it because I know that God responds to his word. He responds to what he said. He responds to his word. 
So if you get a prophetic word and you say, but God, you said. If you get a word from the Bible, but God, you told me. God cannot, but he says, come, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. So he's not a nasty God that he's like, mm. but we need to pray the word and we need to know the word. And number two, the word will wash our hearts because you know that these kingdoms, it's really about what's in our hearts. How are our hearts being shaped? What is in our hearts? So if, as you remain in the word, the word washes your heart and deception will be far from you. If you walk and love the word, not just like that man who looks in the mirror and he looks at himself and he walks away and he forgets what he looks like. The Bible says you must do the word in order for the word to actually be effective in your life. And, and we must remember that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against the colleague at the office. We are not fighting against the wife or the husband. We are not fighting against your BFF. That's not the person you are fighting against. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers, and all sorts of principalities. It's a fight against spirits. Evil spirits are coming against you. So number one, know the truth. Number two, your covenants and agreements determine your covering. I remember once I was, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't get over something and I kept asking the Lord, Lord, what is this? What is this? What is it? And the Lord actually told me, you have a covenant. Covenant? He reminded me of something that agreement that I made with that person, that the Lord said, you need to go break that covenant. The things we say, let the word be the stuff that comes out of your mouth. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. The covenants and agreements this morning, Pastor Chris was saying, be careful the person you marry. And he said, as we are going about our lives, BC, you know, be careful the people you sleep with. Be careful the people you are in business with. Because the minute we have, even the world knows, why do people sign agreements, shareholders agreements? Shareholders agreements is what? We are shareholders, we own the business together, this is your part, this is my part. Even heaven recognizes that because whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Heaven recognizes what we've agreed from a shareholders agreement. When we stand in church, we're like, Lord, I love you, boo-boo. You are the one. Nothing shall by any means separate us. Till death us to part. Even heaven is recognizing those words. And he's saying, whoop, bound. So be careful what it is that you are agreeing with. Things from our father's fathers. Many times our grand, great, great, great grandfather made an agreement with someone that is still affecting us now. So we need to be able to cut it off and say, Lord, I repent for that agreement. I don't know. And sometimes God, let me give you an example. This, this guy bought a car from a widow. And you know how God is about the widows, eh? They don't touch widows. So he bought a car from this widow. And then he asked her to bring down the price. And this lady in her distraught and in her crying time, she just said, okay, no problem. So this guy went. A few weeks later, he wrote off this car. Went to buy another car, he wrote off, he kept writing off cars. And I think at some point he came to know the Lord and he asked the Lord, what is this business that I can't keep a car? And the Lord reminded him of that widow. He says, you go back to that widow 
and you make right. You pay her back the amount that you wangled her out of. That agreement that he had with that woman needed to be set right. Sometimes God will ask you to go make right based on something of the past. Remember David? David said, bring me anybody from Saul's house that I can make. You know what I mean? I can show the love, that the, the promise he made to Jonathan that I will take care of your family. The promises that we make to people, the promises that men make to girls, I will marry you in two years. <laughs> yeah, the promises that girls say, no, I only like you, boo-boo. <laughs> Even as we are just dating, the promises we make with our mouths. The covenants and the agreements that we tie ourselves to. Sometimes it's a great, great, great things in your family. You just see, you know, we all smoke. It's just normal. Or somebody at the age, I mean, there was a lady, I think, I think it's Rita McPherson, if I'm not mistaken. She also spoke about how her, her, her husband's brothers, they would all, at a certain age, they would just die. At a certain, from a heart attack. It wasn't anything else, it was heart related. And then she says, the one time she was lying down, and she's like, okay, Lord, what is going? She was sleeping, she just fell asleep, and she had her phone off, and she had this dream that this, these demonic fingers were squeezing her husband's heart. And so she started praying. She woke up and she was praying and she was praying and she was praying and she was praying. And in the dream, she was telling her husband, wake up, because he was like, ah, oh, falling, because his heart was being squeezed. Wake up, wake up. And she's trying to get the husband to not fall prey to this, whatever it is that's happening. And then eventually this demon left the husband and then she woke up. And then she said, she called the husband and she switched on the phone and there was a message from home saying that the brother passed away. You know, when I was listening to that and I just said, the agreements and the covenants we have, we need to go back and say, and sometimes the agreements and the covenants, that's why it's important to just go back to the girl and say, you know what, I'm so sorry I dated you and I wasted your time. Man, I'm sorry. And break those covenants that we're holding. The Bible says in Romans 6.16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness. So whatever you come into agreement with, you are slave to that thing. You know what a slave is? You take orders and you do. Same thing on the other side. When you obey, God tells you, sweetheart, don't go there. Mm. But we still go there. And then we must learn to be hidden in Christ. Lord, I will hide myself in you. There are sacrifices to be made. There, it's important that sometimes we just say, you know what, it looks good, smells good, but it's not, it's not for me right now. Because of what God has told you, he has for you at this, at this stage. Hide yourself in the Lord. Cast out that which is not of the kingdom. Do not wait. It looks, but you know, you know, you know how it is. We can tell ourselves stories as, as people, you know, because we want what we want. We tend to sit and tell ourselves stories. No, this is, this is good. This is, this is really, this is it. We need to go. As we hide ourselves in Jesus, he will tell you, oh, sweetheart, not quite. Let it go. Leave it alone. And you can walk away from it. And you cast it out. You say no. The devil, and then number three says, take authoritative, authoritative resistance. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Even Jesus, and then 
as you know the word, you also know mm, this covenant. I remember once, backtracking again, I remember once uh, I was about to take on a client, and uh, so one of, my, one of the prayer warriors in intercession, was, I think it was Tieni actually, he calls me, he's like, oh, by the way, it was a couple of weeks back I was praying for you, and the Lord says, be careful of the clients you take on. Huh? The so now I'm thinking, what is going on? What clients? Two days later, Selma sends me a text. And she's like, I was reading the story of the Gibeonites and, uh, and Joshua, and the Lord is saying, be careful of the clients you take on. We were busy negotiating with a client that time. I was like, oh, Lord, I don't know, about, I don't know which client it is. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but you know, Lord, I'm not, if, it's, if it's not this one, please, Jesus, close the door. Those guys called me and like, oh, no, we actually don't want to, uh, we don't have the real budget. And I'm like, not a problem at all. <laughs> you see, and, that, and even so, God loves us enough. But you can only partake of these good, this goodness when you are a son or a daughter of God. That means I'm not in the kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom with Jesus. So as a non-believer, you cannot partake in these nice things. You cannot have somebody calling your brother and sister. I was praying for your business. The Lord told me to pray for your business. He says, do not be careful. Now, if I didn't know that, what would have happened? I would have gone into a covenant and agreement. There's no way. So what, after that, I resisted. Even if they had come with another deal, I would have, uh, no. Uh, next week, yeah. But you know, and then my brother says to me, no, what next week? What must you still tell the people? Just tell the people no. You don't want. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Don't be nice. Just say no. And we're like, oh, no, let me package it. No! The devil is not coming to you. Uh, yeah, he's, he's thinking he is kill, steal, destroy her. Get rid of it. And we're like, no, let me tell the sister, the brother. No, no. And then Ephesians 16, 18 tells us, put on the full armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the helmet of truth, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. It, it gives us instructions on what to do. And if it means that you actually put it on in the morning physically, you come out as you're putting on your... Do that, if that makes any sense for you. Jesus has made an open spectacle of the enemy. He says when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead, he, you know what it means to make it... Imagine you bring somebody, like you know back in the days, uh, or still in some African countries, like when you steal, they, the whole cloud, 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 what do they call it? Social justice. Yeah, mob justice, yeah. The whole mob, everybody comes, tosh, 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 beat the guy, kick the guy. Everybody comes and does that. And then somebody probably takes the guy and, and makes a spectacle of him, to, pu pulling him on and saying, yeah, look at the thief. This is what we do to a thief. It's making an open spectacle. Jesus made an open spectacle of the enemy when he died on the cross. And he said, you will set my children free. Let my people go. And all we need to do is enforce what Jesus has already told us to do. We don't have to do anything else. We just have to say to the enemy, no. Tot hier en ni verder ni. For those of you who don't speak Afrikaans, up to here and no further. That is what God already did for us. And this year, we have declared as a church that this building will be an oppression-free zone where anybody who is a covenant member of this church is. That place where they are is an oppression-free zone. Nobody is oppressed where, those, where the people of every nation are, where the sons and daughters of God is. There is no oppression. And so today, 
If you do not know Jesus, you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, and you cannot partake in all these great things we spoke about today. You need to come and say, Lord, I want to make my life right with you. Number two, if you've been crying out to God and saying, Lord, I want who you say I am. You know, sometimes we really lie in our beds and say, God, who am I? Who am I? I act like this, I act like this, I do this. That's not who I am. Surely this is not who I am. Because the Bible says I'm kind, I'm patient, I'm this. It's not matching. So let, and also like just afterwards, the ministry team will be here. The ministry team will be here, and we will be praying for those. And then the, other, the, third, the third thing that I said is round breaking the cycle of sin in our lives. Jesus wants you free. You know, when we don't want that stuff, we're almost saying like Jesus just did nothing for us on the cross. He, may, he set you free. The enemy has nothing on you. You have the authority, the right, and the power to tell him out and no. So this is an oppression-free zone. We want to pray for those people. But first, we want to just say, is there anybody here who wants to give their life to Jesus? Because the kingdom of heaven, really the kingdom of heaven, completely different, higher than, no rival. It has no rival. It has no equal. And so we just want to ask if there's anybody here who says, yeah, I want that kingdom. Is there anybody here who says, yeah, I want that kingdom? And if there's no one and you're feeling a bit shy, please come afterwards and speak to anybody who was here today, somebody on the worship team, myself, China, Philip. Yeah? So yeah, let's just pray. Father, we want to honor you. We bless your name because you are good. Lord, I thank you that you have no equal. You have no rival, Lord. And so, Father, today I pray that you would break every chain, every single thing that is holding your children back from complete freedom, from living a life that you've called them to live, Lord God. I ask that you would break it off, Lord God. Every single thing that is not of you is broken today by the power vested in us, Lord God. As children, sons and daughters of God, we stand in agreement today. We say we break it off, our brothers and sisters, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. We declare that we walk in freedom. We declare that we walk in joy. We declare we walk in peace, Lord God, and the righteousness that comes from heaven. Peace with you, Father, and peace with our brothers and sisters. Joy, Father God every day because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We honor you, Lord Jesus, and we bless your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, if there's, Lord, we just really like anybody that's been crying out to you, Father God, I pray that you would speak to them and that you would show them who they are. You are a son or you are a daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You are a daughter or son of the king of kings. You are royalty set apart for great works in Jesus' name. And Lord, we break every cycle of sin, every lie of the enemy. We break that, Lord God, and we declare today, let the truth filter in their hearts, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.